This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. It's a visit with Mr. District Attorney, where we start tonight's action. The show was created, written, and directed by former law student Ed Byron. The series was inspired by the early years of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey. It was Dewey's public war against racketeering, which led to his election as governor. Byron lent an air of accuracy and immediacy to his scripts through close study of crime statistics. He had a library of criminology texts. He followed the newspapers, even going around rough bars to gain tips, background, and color from crooks and police alike. His technique sometimes enabled Byron to predict major crime waves before the news broke. Produced through its run in New York City, the series began as a 15-minute serial, becoming the half-hour self-contained series three months later as the summer replacement for The Bob Hope Show, beginning June 27th of 1939. The program was sponsored by Bristol Myers. Now, in tonight's show, we'll hear about an employer looking for 100 skilled workers and an unscrupulous man who offers a mysterious solution. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, Guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mr. District Attorney is brought to you by Vitalis. V-I-T-A-L-I-S. And it shall be the duty of the District Attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. Our case tonight opens in a recently completed defense factory located in your district attorney's city. Mr. Winstead, the personnel manager of the plant, is busily working at his desk. Winstead speaking. Hello, Mr. Winstead. Yes? My name is Preston. Yes? I'm calling you about that ad you got in the paper. The one where you're looking for skilled workers? Oh, yes. Did you get any answers to that ad, Mr. Winstead? Not a single one. Why? I didn't figure you would. Are you applying for a job, sir? Oh, I'm just interested in your problem. Well, look, old man, I'm very busy right now. You want I... skilled workers, don't you? Yes, yes, I need them very badly. But How many guys do you figure you need? Well, at least a hundred immediately. Why should that concern you? How? I got an angle. Now, look, you're wasting my time. I've spent weeks combing every available source for, to find men. There just aren't any to be found. I said I could get them for you, Mr. Winston. Where? I'd like to tell you that first. Could you meet me someplace, maybe? Well, Suppose I... Suppose I drop by in my car and pick you up. 
You can get me a hundred skilled workers. That's right. Very well. I'll be ready in half an hour. going, Mr. Preston? Oh, we'll just ride around a little. I can't spend much time with you. Well, this shouldn't take long, Mr. Winstead. You say you can get me 100 skilled workers. Is that all you need? No, I can use as many as you find. Uh, we're working on a very important government war contract. Uh-huh. It's being delayed by lack of manpower. I've got to get men. I'm the guy that can do it for you. Oh? Yeah, I got an angle. What is this angle? How long will it take you? A few days, a week maybe. Where will you get them? I don't know yet. You certainly make this all sound very mysterious. Well, you wouldn't tell me your business secrets, would you? Just what do you get out of it? I collect what you call a commission light. Oh, from the workers? Oh, no. From you. How much? You say 10% of each guy's pay. And their first week's pay. <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> Why, that wouldn't even pay my expenses. Well, what is your price? Ten percent every week as long as you use them. That's ridiculous. They might work at our plant for years. Sure. That could amount to almost a thousand dollars a week. I know. That's way out of line, Mr. Preston. That's my price. No cut rates. So how about it, mister? Well? If you stall around, it'll cost you more. All right. It's a deal. Okay. Where can you be reached if I want you? A friend of mine runs that bowling alley over on West Street. You can get me there. Very well. Now, I think we ought to put our deal in writing, Mr. Winston. Did you send for me, Chief? Oh, yes. Come in, Harrington. Right. Uh, let me have that letter on my desk there, Miss Meadow, please. Oh, this one, Chief? Yes, yes, that's it. What's up, Chief? I just received this letter from District Attorney Sanford. Sanford, West County? That's right. And this is rather important information he's passed on to me. Mm-hmm. I want you to hear it, both of you. Yes, sir. All right, okay. Dear DA, I want to report a condition that has arisen up here in West County and is likely to spread down into your county as well. Huh? Due to the war, we've had a rapid expansion of defense industries. Many new factories have been opened up here. Huh? We welcome such effort, of course. But this welcome is tempered somewhat by a rapidly rising menace which is undoing all the good the expansion has brought. And this menace is labor pirating. Pirating? What's that? Yes, Harrington. And he goes on to explain. Labor pirating is the act of enticing workers from one plant to another by any and all available means. <laughs> of course, the real evil resulting from this pirating is that it slows up vital war production. Gosh. There's an acute shortage of skilled workers of nearly all kinds... So it's difficult indeed to replace those who are taken from one job to another. Oh, is that a scurvy racket? Okay. Any more, Chief? Yes, he says the bait used ranges from the lure of higher wages to out and out kidnapping. Mm. In most instances, neither the employers nor the workers are at fault. The real offenders are a group of unscrupulous negotiators, usually ex racketeers. <laughs> one of these is a man named Barney Preston. He has been indicted by our grand jury because of his activities in hijacking labor. I regret to tell you, however, that Preston has avoided arrest by leaving town. I have information that he may have gone to your city. Yes. Undoubtedly, he will continue his practice there. Any efforts on your part to apprehend him will be appreciated. Sincerely yours, George Sanford. Oh, how do you like that? 
Something new has been added, huh, Chief? Yes. Another field has been opened to the racketeers. Well, that kind of business is practically fifth column work. Yes, I know. I never heard of this Preston guy. Did Sanford enclose any information about him? There's a complete description. Good. I get out a general alarm on him right away, Chief. Yes, Harrington, I wish you would. Right. And, Miss Miller. Yes, Chief. I want to send a letter to the heads of all the factories in town. I want to warn them that labor hijacking will not be tolerated here. Nice one, Eddie. Gives you a spare. Yeah. Well, how's the bowling going, fellas? Oh, hello, Mr. Monroe. Hi. Hiya. I'm sorry I can't use that other alley. We're short of pinboys tonight. Oh, that's okay. We can do enough damage to one alley. Right, Eddie? <laughs> sure. <laughs> how's everything over the factory? Oh, the same as usual. Well, you boys better make it while you can, I guess. What do you mean? Well, I... I really shouldn't tell you this, but you fellas get good customers of mine. Yeah. I guess it's only right you should know. About what? Well, a couple of the big shots from the plant were in here bowling a few strings last night. Yeah? They'd also been hitting the bottle a bit, so I guess that's why they were careless about what they were saying. Uh-huh. I happened to overhear them talking about the government's going to cancel all the contracts with your factory. What? Did you hear that, Eddie? Yeah, how come, I wonder? Well, I heard this man say something about the motors didn't operate right when they were used on the fighting front. Well, what do you know? Did they say the factory was going to shut down or something, Mr. Monroe? Well, if they blow the contracts, what else can they do? Yeah, sure. Yeah. None of my business, but if I was you fellas, I'd start scamping around for another job. Yeah, you're right. Uh, by the way, I just happened to hear about a plant that's looking for men right now. Yeah, where? You did? Yeah, it's a new factory just opened up on the other side of town. I need fellows in your line real bad. I think maybe we ought to hop over there, huh, Eddie? Oh, you said it. Uh, thanks for tipping us off, Mr. Monroe. Oh, glad to do it. Hey, but look. Yeah? Uh, don't say anything to anybody else about it, will you? Oh, don't worry, Mr. Monroe. We won't tell a soul. I got it was this, see? The government's canceled the contracts, and the plant closes down next week. Sure, sure. I heard it from one of the managers. A government inspector told me the whole thing. The plant closes down in four days. Sure, that's a fact. Now, if you're smart, you'll jump over to that new factory that just opened up over... say you've lost in the past few days, Mr. Doris? Over a hundred, Mr. District Attorney. Mm. And they're still leaving. It's serious. War orders are being held up. That's why I came here to see you this afternoon. Well, did you tell them there was no truth to the rumor? Well, yes, of course. But the story has been magnified so by now that there just doesn't seem to be any way of stopping it. Well, a published statement of denial from the government ought to take care of that. I'll arrange for you at once, sir. Well, that would help. 
But it still doesn't get back the men I've lost. Oh, no. Hey, uh, look, Mr. Lewis, have you checked up on where these guys of yours have found new jobs? Yes. Most of them have gone over to that new factory on the north side. Hmm? Are you sure of that? Yes. They're doing important work, too, of course. War orders, but so are we. They've got no right to hire my men away from me. Yeah, Chief, I guess that guy's in town, all right. Yes, I'm afraid he is. Uh, who's that? There's a man named Preston. Oh. He's a racketeer who specializes in hijacking labor. Say, tell me, Mr. Lewis, do you know why your men left? Is this new plant paying higher wages? No, no, they're not. I'm sure of that. We're both paying union scale, and mm -hmm. my men were getting plenty of overtime. I see. I've already spoken to a Mr. Winstead over there. He's the personnel manager. Winston. I asked him to explain the coincidences that made so many of my employees go to his place yes. for work. What did he say to that? He just denied any knowledge of conspiracy. I suppose I talked to him. Yeah, his number is uh, Main 2800. All right, thank you. Yes? Uh, Miss Miller, would you get me Main 2800, please? Yes, sir, right away. I want to talk to a Mr. Winstead. Right, sir. Uh, have you any idea how this rumor started, Mr. Lewis? No, I haven't been able to trace it at all. Eh, it sure don't take much to make them spread, does it? I should say not. <laughs> all right, I'll take him. Yes? Oh, fine. Put him on. Go ahead, please. Hello? Hello, Mr. Winston. This is the district attorney. Oh, yes. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. What's on your mind? Well, I have Mr. Lewis, the president of Amalgamated, here in my office. Yes? We're trying to track down the source of this rumor that's robbed him of some of his best workmen. Oh, I see. I understand that most of his employees have gone to work for you. Is that correct, sir? Why did they select your plant? Now, I, I don't know, Mr. District Attorney. The reason I ask is that we believe there's a man named Preston behind all this. He specializes in hijacking labor. I wondered if he'd been to see you. Why, uh, why, no. I see. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Winston. I may call you again if anything develops. You see, a serious offense has been committed against Mr. Lewis's factory. I intend to prosecute whoever's at the bottom of it. Uh, well, good day, sir. Goodbye. Did you get anything out of him, Chief? Oh, nothing definite. But he did seem rather upset by my questioning. Yeah. I think I may call on Mr. Winston. Mm -hmm. A good personal talk with him might accomplish a lot. Yeah. I'll see him the first thing in the morning. Looking for me, Mr. Winston? Oh, hello, Mr. Preston. I didn't think you'd ever get here. I've been waiting almost two hours. Oh, that's too bad. Never mind that. I've got to talk to you, privately. Okay. We'll use the office here in the back. Come on. Yes, thank you. Why didn't you try a little bowling while you were waiting? Well, I did, uh, till I got too tired. Oh. We'll go in here. Yes, very well. Now, what did you want to see me about? Well, it really has to do with a misunderstanding. How's that? I had no idea that you'd use the methods you employed to get those workmen from me. No? No. How'd you think I'd get them? I Pick them you... off trees? I thought you were going to use legitimate means. You already tried that, didn't you? Yes, but... But what? Now, look, Preston. We need workmen badly. Uh... We've got a lot of government contracts, and they're important in winning the war. Yeah? But I know, somehow, you've been 
What? Well, stealing men from the amalgamated plant. Stealing? Their work is important, too. I don't know how you got those men to leave, but I'm against getting them your way, that's all. You're a little late with that idea, ain't you? Not necessarily. What do you mean? I'm doing the only thing a patriotic American can do. I'm sending those men back to their original jobs. You what? I'm calling the deal off. That's what you think. Now, see here, Preston. I don't want to have any trouble with you. No? You see, I happen to know something about your background. Uh-huh. I learned that you make a specialty of hijacking labor. Where'd you find that out? The district attorney told me. Oh, now I get it. You're trying to wiggle out from under to keep your own nose clean. I'm merely trying to do the right thing, that's all. Look, Winston, you made a deal with me, you're going through with it, see? I intend to do just that. I'm going to pay you the commission on one week's salary for those men. That's strictly for chickens. My payoff comes every week. That's impossible. Don't forget I've got a contract with you, my friend. The DA might like to see that. That contract is not binding if I don't keep the men. Now, look, sucker. I don't want to waste no more talk on you. The deal stands. Oh, no. I'm not going to let you blackmail me. I'll go to the district attorney and tell him everything. Wait a minute. You stay right here. Get out of my way. Stay here, I said. Put down that bowling pin. Sure, where do you want me to put it? No, don't. <laughs> Well, I guess they better set him up in the next alley. This labor pirating situation is a very serious one for all of us because of the way it cuts down on war production. And now, with Winstead murdered, your district attorney's job becomes doubly difficult. Now, back to Mr. District Attorney. Mr. Winston's body was found early this morning, Miss Miller. Where, Chief? In a ditch beside a road on the outskirts of town. Well, how was he killed? Hit on the head with a blunt instrument. Oh, that's terrible. Yes. Were there any other clues? And the police are working on that now. Oh. The thing that bothers me is I might have prevented this if I had gone to see him last night. Oh, I doubt that, Chief. I honestly do. Uh, Where's Harrington? He went over to Winstead's factory to see what he could pick up. Chief, do you suppose this man Preston killed Winstead? That's quite likely he did, yes. Well, the police still haven't been able to find any trace of him. Oh. Uh, excuse me, Chief. Yes, come in, Harrington. Okay. How did you make out? Well, I, uh... I picked up some very tantalizing information. Good or bad? Well, one thing is very good you can make book now, Chief. That the killer was this Preston guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I got that from Winston's secretary. Well, how did she know? Well, she didn't. It's what she told me that adds up to that. Yes, and what was it? Well, right after you called Winston yesterday, he made another call. He dialed the number himself. But his secretary happened to overhear him ask for a Mr. Preston. I see. Well, Preston wasn't there, but he was expected. So Winston told whoever was on the other end of the line that he'd be right over. Then he grabbed his hat and hightailed it out. Well, does the secretary know what number he called, Harrington? No, she don't. There's no way of checking it either. Uh, I see what you mean by tantalizing information. Yeah. We know everything but the whereabouts of the murderer and the location of his hideout. Yeah. Well, where do you go from there, Chief? Well, there's one thing we can try to trace to its source. What's huh? that? The origination point of that rumor. Yeah. We can be reasonably sure now that Preston started it. Yeah. That might lead us to him. That's right, Chief. But how do you find that sort? Well, I think Harrington can help us out there. Me? What do I do? Yes, I want you to go to Winstead's factory. Yeah? I'll arrange for you to get a job there. All right. And try to talk to every man who left Lewis's plant because of the rumor. Right. One of those men must know where that rumor started. 
still at police headquarters, Harrington. Oh, boy, I got a red-hot lead for him. Really? Yeah, I think I found out where that rumor was started. Where? Well, I got it from two guys. They didn't want to tell me at first. I had to flash my tin before they'd even talk. Well, what did they tell you? Well, it seems they got the story from some guy who runs a bowling alley right near Lewis's factory. Yes? He handed it out to them as very confidential stuff. Well, that's <laughs> how all rumors are planned. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm going over and see that guy right now. Well, what'll I tell the chief? Well, just give him the information I just gave you and tell him that I'll call back as soon as I make sure I'm on the right trail. Well, when will that be? Just as soon as I make that guy in the bowling alley talk. Come in. Uh, yes? Uh, are you Mr. Monroe? Yes, that's right. Oh, good. My name's Harrington. District Attorney's Office. Uh, I want to ask you a few questions. Okay. Sit down, Mr. Harrington. <laughs> Thanks. What seems to be the trouble? Well, I'm on a kind of a tough assignment. Yeah? Yeah, I'm uh, chasing a rumor. See any laying around here? <laughs> no, but that don't prove nothing. They never show up till you get them in the light. Oh, that makes it tough, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, not always. Uh, what made you look here? Well, I got information that this is the place where the particular rumor I'm chasing got started. Is that so? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Mr. Monroe, I understand that you were the guy who put it underway. Uh, what was this rumor? Well, it had to do with the factory across the street closing down. You spread that report, didn't you? No. No? I might have talked about it, but that was only because of what I'd heard some other guys say. Uh, but you did talk about it to men who were working in that plant. Well, sure. Yeah. They were good customers of mine. I didn't want to see them wind up on the limb. No. Uh, Monroe, did you ever hear of labor pirating? Uh-uh. Well, suppose I ask you another question. Did you ever hear of a guy named Preston? Barney Preston? No. Don't know the answer to that one either. <laughs> I'm doing very good this quiz game, am I? No, you ain't. But don't let that worry you, brother. I, I ain't got to the jackpot question yet. <laughs> What's that? Well, it has to do with a guy named Winston. His body was found in a ditch outside of town. Winston? Yeah, he was doing business with Preston. Preston was hijacking labor. Mm -hmm. He was able to do that because of a rumor. Now, you started the rumor. Now, give well, me the answer to that one, wise guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to blow that one, too. Oh, that's too bad. Well, suppose we play this game in a new location. What do you mean? I'm going to take you down to headquarters. The D.A. will ask the questions from here on. Hi, Monroe. Uh, who's this? My name's Harrington. Who are you? What's it to you? Your name wouldn't be Preston, would it? Why? I've seen pictures of a guy by that name that looks just like you. Yeah? Yeah. Don't reach for that gun, copper. I got you covered. What? Nice going, Monroe. Who is this guy? Cop from the D.A.'s office. Well... He's been playing a game, trying to get some answers. I got my answers. Sure, only they ain't going to do you any good. No? Sit down again, copper. Sure. We're going to play another game. Only this time, we ask the questions. Hello, 
Is that you, Chief? Yes, Hunter. Well, how'd you make out at headquarters? Oh, very well. I examined Winston's body and found what may be an important clue. Really? Yes, it more or less identifies the type of place in which he was killed. Oh, that's swell, Chief. Uh, have you heard from Harrington? Well, yes, he came in about an hour ago. He seems to have found something, too. Uh, the source of the rumor? Yes, at least he thought so. Mm-hmm. He was on his way to investigate when he called. Who is he after? The proprietor of a bowling alley located near Lewis's factory. A bowling alley? Yes. You say he went there an hour ago? Well, yes, Chief. What's wrong? Well, the clue I found revealed that Mr. Winston was murdered in a bowling alley. <laughs> What do you want to jockey around with this guy for, Monroe? Let me knock him off now and get him out of here. No good. They came up with that Winstead guy before he was cold. Just because you were in a hurry. What do you think we ought to do? Put him on ice till the joint closes. Then you can put him away for keeps. Don't you guys know it's rude to talk about somebody when they're right in the room? Keep quiet, copper. You mean just because you tell me to? Shut up, I said. Brother, if you didn't have that gun in your hand... Look, Monroe, I can't wait around here till the joint closes. There's too much heat on me. You want to get rid of this guy, don't you? Sure, but why can't you take care of him? Because that ain't in my line. Nice, clean fellow. Well, I ain't hanging around, see? Look, suppose I give it to him now, then you can get rid of him. You can do that, can't you? Well, okay. But no guns. I don't want any noise. I'll give him the same thing I gave Winston. No, you won't, brother. You ain't got nothing to say about it. I got this much to say. You're going to have to use a gun on me and use it now. I ain't waiting for that fool and pig. Get away from me. Give me that clock. Get out of it, man. Tell me. Get out of it. Stand where you are. You're covered. Take that gun away from him, Harrington. Right, Chief. Thanks for the lift. Uh, who are these men? Well, this character here is Barney Preston. Oh, well, this is a pleasant surprise. Harrington, you may arrest him for the murder of Mr. Winston. Of course, we know Preston murdered Mr. Winstead. But how can your district attorney be so certain of it? Now, here is your district attorney. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think the first thing you should know is that we were able to get a conviction against Barney Preston for the murder of Winston. And he paid for this crime with his life. Oh, Chief, I think you should tell the folks about the clue that you found when you examined Winstead's body. Very well, Miss Madam. That clue was some powder-like substance that I found under one of Winstead's thumbnails. On examination, this substance turned out to be a special kind of chalk that bowlers use to keep their fingers dry when they handle the ball. I was then able to establish that Winston must have been in a bowling alley at some point just before his death. And that's why you came running over to Monroe's alleys on the double, huh? Yes, Harrington. I knew there was a good chance of your meeting the same fate. Oh, I'm glad you sent that Monroe guy away too, Chief. He was getting a cut from Preston. He'll have time to 15 years to think up some new rumors before he gets out. Yes, and speaking of rumors, Harrington, I'd like to repeat at this time a message that I sent to every employer and war worker in our city. These were the words. If you are engaged in any work that will help our nation win this war, stay with your job. Don't listen to rumors or offers of better pay or even seek easier work. The production line is the front line here at home. Anyone who disrupts this line is guilty of sabotage, just as Preston was. This is the people's war. By your effort, we can win it. Right, Chief. And if a guy's looking for a job where he can help win this man's war... The place to find out where he's needed is the nearest United States Employment Service office. They give all the dope on all kinds of defense jobs. Yes, indeed they can. What about next week, Chief? Well, next week we'll have another dramatic case. The case of the phony payoff. 
It's a colorful and exciting story. I hope you'll remember to join us again next Wednesday. And until then, thank you and good night. The names of all characters in the nice dramatization are fictitious and in resemblance to names of living persons or actual places is purely coincidental. Jay Johnston was featured in the title role. Len Doyle as Harrington. Vicki Vola as Miss Miller. The music was under the direction of Peter Van Steeden, and the authors were Ed Byron and Jerry Devine. Mr. District Attorney is brought to you by the Bristol Myers Company, makers of Vitalis, used by more men to keep their hair well-groomed than any other preparation of its kind. Just think of the word vital and add I-S. Vitalis, Vitalis for your hair. Friends, the sponsors of Mr. District Attorney cordially invite you to hear radio's most popular modern songsters, Dinah Shore, in person, over another network every Friday night. Consult your local paper for time and station. Hear Dinah Shore next Friday. This program came to you from New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly and the episode Fibber Needs New Glasses. The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly with Donald Novis, the Four Notes, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with The Best Things in Life Are Free. come indoors after a walk in the sunshine, does your home look as bright and cheery as you'd like to have it? Do your floors sparkle with a lustrous polish? If not, you'd better put some Johnson's self-polishing glow coat on those floors and on your linoleum, too. There's no hard work to it, no rubbing or buffing. Just spread glow coat lightly over the surface, let it dry for 20 minutes, and then see the beautiful glossy polish protecting your floors from dirt and wear. Now, there's a special sale right now on Johnson's self-polishing glow coat and Johnson's wax in giant-sized cans containing one-third more than the regular sizes. When you buy a pint of Johnson's wax or glow coat, you get a pint and one-third. When you buy a pound, you get a pound and one-third, and the one-third is free. Now, the supply of giant sizes is limited, and they're going fast. So see your dealer the first thing tomorrow morning. Ask him for the money-saving giant-sized cans of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. a pretty little scene at 79 Westful Vista. Molly is sitting by the window darning socks. And Fibber, that human dynamo of flashing energy, is trying to reach a newspaper lying on the floor without getting out of his easy chair. 
Aha, he makes it. <laughs> and that, friends, is the picture we present tonight of Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Well, congratulations, McGee. Hmm. On what? Reaching the paper without getting out of that chair. <laughs> I guess you never heard it's good for you to stretch, Molly. That's what makes cats so healthy. They're always stretching. Oh. <laughs> well, turtles live longer and they don't stretch. <laughs> you know why turtles live so long. Why, Mr. Bones? <laughs> On account of they got a thick shell they can duck back under if they see they've stuck their neck out too far. <laughs> Heavenly days, McGee. How do you wear your socks out so fast? Look at them. Oh, well, they got to wear out sometime. Socks ain't immortal. <laughs> no, I suppose not. Well, what's in the paper, McGee? Huh? I says, what's the news in the paper? Uh, I don't know, Molly. What do you mean you don't know, Kent? Why, McGee, what's the matter, darling? Why do you look like that? There, there, there's something the matter with me, Molly. The, the, the type is all blurry. Oh. I can't make head nor tail of it. It, it all runs together. Well, uh, maybe you need glasses, dearie. Oh. You been having any headaches lately? No. Well, yes, I have. I, I had a terrible one the morning after that party at the Elks Club. <laughs> I know, but that wasn't from any lack of glasses. <laughs> You're going downtown and see a good optimist. You mean optometrist. I mean oculus. Maybe you mean optician. I mean a man who examines you for glasses, Igernut. <laughs> I don't want to wear glasses, Molly. This is just a temporary condition. Oh, yeah? That's what my grandfather said when people stopped buying his buggy whips. <laughs> you know what you got? No. You got a pigmastism. <laughs> you really think I have? A pigmastism is pretty bad, ain't it? Why, why, well, uh, why, it's terrible. <laughs> Get your hat now. You're going downtown for some glasses. Oh, Molly, let's wait a while. My eyes is all right if I rest them. Now, come on, dearie. You worry me. Oh, sure. Besides, you look real distinguished in spectacles. Say, I bet I will at that. I'll get me a pair of the pinched nose kind with a black ribbon. Uh, people will probably think I'm a banker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you get them with blinkers on so they'll think you're a horse, but get them. <laughs> I wonder how you locate a good eye doctor. I'll ask information on the telephone. Hello, operator. Say, who's the best eye doctor? Oh, is that you, Mert? It's Mert, Molly. Get to the point, gossip. <laughs> Hello, Mert. Say, you know a good eye doctor in town? Who? Oh, Dr. Gildersleeve, eh? Where's his office? 14th and Oak. Well, thanks, Mert. How's everything with you? What? Your cousin? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my. Where did it happen, Mert? What? Oh, Princeton, eh? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He was a nice guy, too. Oh, my. Well, well, don't take it too hard, Mert. Oh. And thanks for the information. So long, Mert. What was that, McGee? She lost her cousin in an accident. Oh, dear. He was a college student. Oh, what happened? He got swallowed by a goldfish. <laughs> bound to happen, folks, either on this program or some other one. <laughs> and we promise we'll have no more goldfish jokes, folks. Yep. We hereby sign the guppy pledge. <laughs> Hello there, Johnny. Hello, daughter. Why 
bunch of pictures took setting on a pony? <laughs> no, we don't. Me? She says, no, we don't, old-timer. We don't like them trick pictures. Not since somebody's seen our wedding picture with me setting down and Molly's hand on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and they tried to book us for a ventriloquist act. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, kids. But that ain't the way I heard it. No. <laughs> the way I heard it, one pair says to the other fella, see? <laughs> I can't go to the Kentucky Derby next week. Lost too much money on the horse last year. That so, says t'other feller. Was he a favorite in the winter book? Must have been, says the first feller. He run like he had snowshoes on. It <laughs> <laughs> always makes me stop and think, youngsters. When I see a three-year-old horse make a chump out of a 40-year-old man. <laughs> old Duffer's got something there, Molly. That's the way it is with all the horses I ever bet on. If they see it's going to be a photo finish, they stop and pose. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I says they'd stop and pose. Ah, it ain't funny, McGee. <laughs> Chucks, I rather liked it. <laughs> Say, listen, are you going to go down and buy you some glasses? Are you going to neglect your eyes? So oh, no, I'm, I'm going right away. But don't take it so serious, Molly. My eyes ain't really bad. Oh, no? No. Well, then take my sewing basket off your head and put your hat on. <laughs> I thought that brim seemed kind of narrow. <laughs> oh, hi, Billy. Oh, I was just leaving. Well, can't you wait a few minutes? Don Novus is going to sing my reverie. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Oh, I'd love to hear it, Mr. Mills. McGee's got to run down and get him a pair of glasses. Glasses? Yeah, I got a pigmatism or, or something, really. <laughs> Must have strained my eyes. I was afraid that would happen. The type of those old joke books is terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, let me tell oh, you. Oh, his eyes aren't awfully bad, Billy. Well, these eyes aren't too good. You know what happened to him on the train going to California? No, what was that? Well, he had his smoke glasses on, and when he passed a mirror, he mistook himself for the porter and tipped himself three dollars. I never done no such a thing. Why, of course you didn't, dearie. No. Not three dollars. <laughs> now, you run along whilst I listen to Mr. Nova sing my reverence. All right. Well, see you later, Molly. So long, Billy. Take it, Don. I love you in my rap. 
reality. Let's dispense with formality. Come to me in my Dr. Gildersleeve in? Yes, sir. With reference to what did you wish to see him about, sir? <laughs> He's I, Dr. Annie. Yes, sir. What'd you think I wanted to see him about? Raising petunias? Just a minute, sir. Hello, doctor. I'm Mr. McGee. Is he to see you about raising petunias? <laughs> I am not. You're not what, sir? A petunia. I mean, I didn't... Dad read it. It's about my eye. Oh, correction, doctor. He's changed his mind about the petunias. Now it's his eyes. <laughs> yes, doctor. Will you have a chair, sir? The doctor will see you very shortly. Thanks. Move over a little, will you, bud? Thanks. Oh, that's okay, buddy. Which doctor are you waiting to see? Oh, none of them. They just hired me to sit here so it'll look like a busy joint, see? <laughs> well, say, you know anything about this Dr. Gildersleeve? He's a pretty good eye man, ain't he? Oh, he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. He treated me uncle for 15 years. That's so. Me uncle kept bumping into things, chairs and tables and stuff. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even walk downstairs alone. Oh, gee. what the doc find wrong with him? Nearsighted? No, drunk. <laughs> After 15 years, huh? <laughs> Oh, that was a snappy diagnosis. Good thing your uncle didn't have the seven-year itch. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, what's your trouble, buddy? I don't know. Touch of a pigmastism, I think. Ah, uh, you don't mean a pigmastism. You mean a strigmatism. <laughs> That's what I says. A prismastigum. Yeah. Hey, uh, nurse. Yes, sir. Uh, can the doc do anything about black eyes? Oh, yes, sir. We can fix them right up, sir. That's well. My girl's got black eyes, and I like blue ones better. I'll send her in. Right guy I suppose he'll be back for an eye wash Because his girl gave him a dirty look (laughs) Hey, what you laughing at, mister? Oh, hello there, little girl Hi (laughs) You waiting to see the doctor, too? Sure Nothing serious, I hope Sure Sure what? Hmm? Oh, skip it There's something wrong with your eyes? I hope you ain't been reading in bed too much. Oh, you mean stories like Mother Goose and Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red Riding Hood? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> well, then what is the matter with your eyes? 
fold. I bet you there's nothing the matter with him, I bet you. Well, then what you waiting to see the doctor for? Well, gee, mister, I... Hmm? Oh. <laughs> Shucks, just let it go, sis. Sure. Hey, mister, you know what? No, what? Hmm? Oh. <laughs> I says, no, what? I got a turtle and a chicky and a puppy and a kitty. And when the doctor comes out, I'm going to have a duck, too, I bet you. <laughs> you are, huh? <laughs> well, is the doctor going to give you a duck? No, but I'm going to wait till he lays an egg. <laughs> the duck? No, the doctor. My papa says he's just an old quack. <laughs> This doc ain't a quack. Hey, nurse. Yes, sir. What's Doc Gildersleeve's first name? Donald. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was afraid of that. I don't seem to be able to... I tell you, doctor, I feel like a new woman. And to think I never thought of that treatment myself. Thank you so much, Dr. Wilcox. Dr. Wilcox? That's quite all right, Mrs. Jones. And remember, no heavy housework. You keep on using the Johnson's Glow Coat I prescribed for your floors and linoleum. Just pour out a little and spread it around with the long-handled applier, and I promise you, you'll never have that backache again. It's a marvelous treatment. My floors look simply wonderful. And Johnson's Glow Coat keeps floors from wearing out, too, doesn't it, Doctor? Yes, indeed, Mrs. Jones. But we're just as much interested in keeping floors from wearing out people as we are to keep people from wearing out floors. Ah, listen to that guy, will you? When he was a bouncing baby, they didn't know he'd grow up into a medicine ball. <laughs> and another thing, Mrs. Jones. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Mrs. Jones, you've been worrying too much about your budget. I'd suggest you get some of those special giant-sized cans of Johnson's Wax or Glow Coat with the extra third free before they're all gone. Oh, thank you, Dr. Wilcox. Don't mention it, Mrs. Jones. Hey, Harpo. Oh, hello, Fibber. Hey, what is this? Thank you, Dr. Wilcox. Don't mention it, Mrs. Jones. Huh. Sounds like Gallagher and Sheen in an ambulance. <laughs> when did you get to be a doctor? Oh, I'm not a regular doctor, but I run a floor clinic in this building. Dr. Wilcox, Ph.D. Ph.D.? Oh, doctor of philosophy. No, perfect housekeeping department. <laughs> well, excuse me now, pal. I've got several patients waiting. <laughs> that guy's in a different job every week. He sold glow coats so long, he just can't help spreading himself around. <laughs> Come back again next week, Mrs. Weedledeck, and I'll fit you for glasses. Oh, no, you don't, Sonny. No glasses for me. No, sir. <laughs> What's the matter, Grandma? You ain't too vain to wear spectacles, are you? No, Shorty, but why should I wear them? I've seen everything. Come <laughs> out of here. I'll be late for my parachute jump. Woohoo! <laughs> well, merry old soul, but a little run down. <laughs> You ready to see me, Doc? I'm in a kind of a hurry. Oh, I certainly. Come in, Mr. McGee. Okay, bud. Now then, uh, just what seems to be the trouble? Well, I got a pigmatism or something. I tried to read a newspaper this morning, and, and the type got all blurry and run together. Is that so? Probably a slight conjunctivitis of the inferior corona. Uh, uh, close your eyes tight. Okay. You see anything? No. Nope. Very interesting. <laughs> Uh, any history of eye trouble in your family? Only my cousin Sanford. Blondes made him wink. Hey, bless. 
Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well-known disease. We call it peroxidus flirtatious. <laughs> One usually outgrows it, though. <laughs> now, just sit here a moment while I adjust the pupilometer. <clears throat> yeah, steady now. Okay, bye. Oh, splendid. What is it? They turned on my current again. Somebody must have paid my light bill. <laughs> now, while I hold my hand over your left eye, McGee, you read the top line on that chart over there. Uh, ready? Yep. What does it say? It says M-K-N-P-G-X-B-T. Very good. Now the other eye. Read the same line. M-K-N-P-G-X-B-T. Oh, boy, my eyes are worse than I thought. I read it twice, and it still don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> now, try these spectacles on for size, McGee. That's it. How's that? Oh, say, these are wonderful, Doc. I can see just as plain. Is that so? <laughs> Those are just the frames. I haven't put the lenses in yet. <laughs> now, uh, uh, try these lenses, McGee. Left lens and right lens. Uh -huh. Now then, better? Oh, great. How much I owe you, Doc? Uh, $25. And well worth it, too. Here you are. Thank you. Come in again next week, McGee, and we'll check your reaction. Okay, Doc. Boy, these are wonderful glasses. Why? I can see a guy out the window there, and it, why, it looks like I could just reach right out and touch him. Yeah, you can. That's the window washer. Yeah. <laughs> Good day, McGee. Basin Street, Basin Street. It's street where folks all meet where you can lose. Lose your blues. Oh, come along with me. Down the Mississippi. We'll take a boat to the land of dreams. Steam down the river, down to New Orleans. Friends there meet us. Old friends greet us. There's the dock and night folks meet. Heaven on earth, they call it Basin Street. Basin Street is the street where the elite always meet in New Orleans, land of dreams. You never know how nice it seems just to be there with me. We're welcome free. Yes, sirree, where I can lose my Basin Street blues. Oh, that's the street, yeah, it's the street where light and dark folks always meet. Oh, wow. Oh, Basin Street, yeah, that's the street where the elite you'll always meet. Oh, wow. Oh, Basin Street, come along with me. Down Mississippi, we'll take a boat to the land of dreams. Steam down the river to New Orleans. That was the four notes singing the Basin Street Blues. Boy, are these spectacles wonderful. Probably changed my whole appearance, too. I bet nobody recognizes me in these new spectacles. Oh, how do you do, Mr. McGee? Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, lovely day, isn't it? Oh, hi, Eppy. Yes, it is now, but no, it looked kind of bad for a while when I thought my eyes was on the bum. I got to wear these glasses. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I should wear them myself, you know, but I think it ages a girl so, don't you? <laughs> You age a lot faster if you can't see where you're going, I bet. 
Besides, I seen you at the theater the other night with glasses. You had them on a little stick. Oh, yes, yes. My lorgnette. Oh, what's the idea of the handle on them? Your nose tender? <laughs> Please, Miss McGee, that is ridiculous. That's just what I told Molly. I says, Molly, get a load of uppy. She's got her cheaters on stilts. <laughs> Things are very distinguished, and of course they are quite de rigueur at the theater. Quite what? <laughs> quite de rigueur. Oh well, don't worry about that. They always fog up when you come into a warm place from outside. I <laughs> oh, sure. Well, when mine do that, I just wipe them off on the side of my pants, and I don't know why you can't do the same. Uh, when you got married to Boomer, I I says, when are you getting married to Boomer, Uppy? Oh, 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 yes, yes. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to be married in June, Miss McGee. And, oh, oh I'm so, I am such a happy girl. Just counting the golden days as they slip by. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to be in love and watch the unfolding of another person's character under the gentle influence of tender emotions? <laughs> well, don't tell me Boomer's character is unfolding. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I'll bet even when it's completely unfurled, you could still tuck it in the back of a small wristwatch. <laughs> oh, but really, he has a beautiful character, Mr. McGee. Is that so? Yes, oh, yes. Now, for instance, I discovered him reading a little booklet the other day on the prevention of cruelty to animals. Oh, oh I was so pleased, yeah, really. I bet you were. What was the name of the book, Uppy? Uh, let me see. Um, oh, yes, yes. It was called You Can't Beat the Ponies. <laughs> Just as if anyone would want to beat a dear little pony. (laughs) But you see, Mr. McGee, it's just those little things which make me so sure of Horatio. Uh Or do you think I'm being just a silly girl? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it's so nice to have seen you, Mr. McGee. Goodbye. 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 So long, Abby. You can't beat the ponies. <laughs> Old Uppy may belong to the upper crust, but she's beginning to crumble. <laughs> Boy, are these glasses wonderful. I'll have to hurry in and show them to Molly. Hey, Molly, I done it. Look. Oh, they're nice, aren't they? <laughs> Can you see good through? Swell, where's that newspaper I was trying to read this morning? Right where you threw it, careless. Under the chair. Oh, yeah. Oh, now I can really read it. Boy, is this going to be a pleasure. Uh-oh. Come in. Oh, hello there, Cupid. Hello, Fisher. How's every little... Well, for scream's sake, Fisher, when are you starting in to be wearing skeptics? Spectacles, Nick. I just got them. Pretty doggy, eh? Yeah. His eyes were getting a little weak, Mr. DePopolis. They look nice on him, don't they? Kind of distinguished looking. Oh, sure. As a matter of fact, I was saying to somebody last night that if anybody should be extinguished, it is my friend Fizzer. (laughs) You mean distinguished, Nick. Extinguished means to get put out. Well, for once, I guess I know what I'm talking about then, if I know what you mean. (laughs) Ah, But all of the kidding over on one side, Fizzer, those skepticals are very big going to you. Hmm? Be going? Oh, you mean becoming, Mr. DePopolis. Well, going or coming, Cupid, there's the nuts, I'm thinking. <laughs> wait till I show you how I can read with them. Well, speaking of newspapers, Fisher, the reason now, wait a I... minute, Nick. Wait, wait till I try these glasses on this small tie. Yes, but, oh. Fisher... Oh, McGee, what's the matter? Molly, I, 
I still can't read. The type still runs all together. Oh, well, you got the wrong glasses then. Dad read it anyway, and I thought I was all set. Why, look, it even makes me dizzy to look at the headline. But listen, if you're letting me get an edge in word ways... <laughs> well, uh, what is it, Mr. DePopolis? That is the newspaper I'm leaving here by mistake last night. Well, what of it? That's a Greek newspaper. What? <laughs> a Greek newspaper? Heavenly day. Then I don't need glasses or my... Oh, sure. <laughs> We want to extend our congratulations and best wishes to the Johnson Wax people in Racine, Wisconsin, who this week opened their beautiful new office building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. And it's the most modern and unique building of its kind in the world. Indeed it is. And if you're touring around this summer, folks, why, they'd be glad to have you drop in and look it over. It's well worth a visit. Yeah, and while you're there, if, if you should happen to remember that you need some glow coat or some furniture polish... McGee! Huh? Oh, good night. Good night, all. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if the community in which you live does not observe daylight saving time, River McGee and Molly will come to you one hour earlier beginning next week. Please consult your local newspaper for time and station. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Local at Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcast. Thank you for listening, and thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.